Alright all you movie junkies, it is time for the SLS Cast, with your hosts Matt and Tim. And welcome, 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 welcome to the 100th fucking episode of the SLS Cast. And even though it's a special 100th episode, it's still a special episode that's a normal episode because it's the atmosphere episode of the SLS cast. In addition to be our being our 100th show, it's the Earth's Atmosphere episode of the SLS cast because Earth's atmosphere ends at 100 kilo- kilometers away. That's our atmosphere. It only goes to 100 com- 100 kilometers. That's it. That could have been a very pretentious opening to a 100th episode. We are the Earth's atmosphere. Oh, good God, no, we're not that important. I just thought it was cool because it was 100 episodes. Yeah, no, thought, it thought worked. Tried something, you know, for 100. I mean, you know, that's what we have to do here. We're not pretentious. We're just ironic. <laughs> In a coincidental kind of way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. So, 100 episodes, how does it feel? It feels quite chilly. Like a colossal waste of time. Oh, I mean, no, what? Yeah, what you said. What? <laughs> I mean, since we since we have done 100 consecutive episodes, does that mean we get to take, like, maybe 50 consecutive episodes off, or 50 consecutive well, off days? You know, it's interesting that you said that. I was listening to... Um, uh, the We Are Not Here to Please You podcast. And they are very, very funny. Very funny. Uh, it's Raphael and R2, these two guys. And they're just absolutely fucking hilarious. Please, I encourage you to check them out and follow them on Twitter at W-A-N-T-P-Y. See? Even their Twitter handle is not there to please you because it's all that fucking hard. Um, <laughs> but only follow them after you follow us. Yeah, after you follow us at the SLS. Because it won't but, work. I mean, it, the follow button on their page will not work unless no. you follow us first. <laughs> there you go. Yes. No, but seriously, so I was listening to them, and they actually just had, uh, they celebrated their first year. They had a complete year of podcasting. They're, they were, I think they were on episode 49, um, but they had just come off of an actual live show um, and, and everything, and they had and they had taken two weeks off. And I was like... Man, what would it be like to actually take off time? I, I mean, we kind of cheat. We kind of cheat at the end of the year, but we still have as shitty as it is. We still have weekly content, even over, <laughs> even at the end of the year. But I, I don't know. I'm, I, I, I mean, I don't know if they could handle us being gone for 50 consecutive weeks i mean we did it once before but (laughs) yeah seriously we did it once before but there was no warning it was just kind of like next week we'll be talking about hugo and whatever uh, whatever julie andrews movie julie 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 andros Mm. (laughs) yeah julie andros the hills are alive with the songs of julie andros singing them yeah. So, anyways, long way, long way down. Um, I don't know. Gosh, it'd be nice. I am. I, I will not lie. I, I, I really and truly, at this point, um, 
I am definitely looking forward to our 200th episode. No, well, that, but I mean our two weeks at the end of the year, two or three weeks that we end up taking off at the end of the year where we have our automated content. Yes, you mean the scraping the bottom of the barrel content? Hey, it's new for them. (laughs) (laughs) It comes out every week. (laughs) Yeah, folks, you will know there will be issues or there are issues happening once you start hearing reruns. But then again, maybe we are in reruns. Who knows? Do we repeat Although, ourselves you know, often? One of these days, though, see, this is the thing, though, is that after 100 episodes, you know, it's like, wow, it's been 100 episodes. Like, if it was a TV show or something, sometimes they do, like, retrospectives and all that. And we're going to kind of have our own version of that, this, you know, for this show. But, I mean, like, we could have best ofs and stuff by that, but that would mean one or both of us would have to actually take time to listen to all of our old shit and then try and splice it together to make an hour and a half's worth of shit that someone would want to listen to. And if we don't even want to do that, <laughs> would anybody want to listen to it? <laughs> so uh, I, I think we might just be stuck in this cycle of, you know, forcing ourselves to always do something new. And that's that okay. a hell of a ride. I think so. Yeah. I mean, it's been a hell of a ride. We're still showing up every week. For better or for worse. Yeah, I mean, I think I've only missed one week. We've only we both only missed one week. Yep, I think we have both only missed one week. Yeah, um, and we definitely had interesting fill-ins. Um, and while I am always appreciative of my buddy Sam, who filled in back on episode thirty-eight, I gotta say I think Andy did a better job standing in. So y'all, your your discussions and everything were actually like thoughtful and. Sam's and I were just kind of drunken ramblings for like half an hour. And he and likes so, boobs. I mean, yes. He could have been yes. watching Frozen. He would have said, you know, I hated this movie because there were not enough boobs. <laughs> Only two boobs? Exactly. Where's the third? I'm telling you. You know, so. At any rate, though, no, but Sam, we love you. And of course, we'll refer to you again in our retrospective portion of the show. But, well, so we, ha- however, not just that it's been our 100th episode, but it was Halloween. This last weekend, we're on the 3rd of November, for anyone keeping track, uh, as we record. But uh, how was your Halloween? Did you manage to have a urine-free you know, Halloween? I, You know what? I did. We had a lovely Halloween. Uh, we went to a, what I thought was going to be like a dinner theater type of, type of thing we were supposed to be going to. Uh, the, 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 the venue we were seeing this, what I thought was going to be a, a regular dinner theater uh, production. Like Death of a Salesman dinner theater? <laughs> exactly. Death. Death of a Salesman <laughs> dinner theater on Halloween. <laughs> Nothing says classic <laughs> Halloween horror like Arthur Miller. <laughs> hey, it does say death in the title. <laughs> it's true. Or murder by death, even. Or, since, or we're even doing, since we're doing plays <laughs> or dinner theater. <laughs> Let's take Arthur Miller and combine it with Neil Simon. Ready, go. Uh, Anyhow. Uh, but yeah, so we went. It was at the speakeasy called the Next Door Lounge. I mean, you kind of have to know where the place is or wh- like where to go to know of the place. You know, it's kind of like you hear about it, so you go to it. Uh, there's no sign or anything. Well, there is a sign. But there's no name. Uh, they have a key on the building that lights up. And so we've been trying to figure out a time to find the time to actually go to this place because you have to have a password to get in. You knock on the door and there's a guy 
who called Boss Man, who opens the door and you tell him the password and he lets you in. And you can read Yelp reviews for the place, and people will will tell you that if you do not know the password, you will not get into this place. And we knew the password. It was murder, of course. Uh, we had a dress up. The theme was red carpet gala event. So it was but like 1940s, 1950s. So you had people in bow ties. You had girls wearing like flapper dresses. And I wore a suit and tie, you know, kept it classy, but not too classy, I guess. Because I know we were going to go out and, you know, have some fun. Also, I didn't know if I was going to get homeless man pee thrown on me that night. So I just wanted to wear a suit and not the tux. And so uh, the show, you know, the, the, you know, we, we found out that it wasn't going to be a play, like I said, because they were saying it's going to be a murder mystery based off of the Black Dahlia murders, the famous Black Dahlia murders that took place back in the day uh, in Hollywood. But instead, it was a mystery dinner theater where you actually, the, you being the audience, were supposed to solve the mystery in groups. Oh my god, it's it's like Vincent Price, How to Host a Murder. Yeah, exactly, you know, yeah. It's like... Like the box I mean, game, and you have everybody over, come over for dinner, and somebody's the so somebody committed the crime, and they're like terrible pun names, like, you know, Ben Dover, and he, he, and he, and he, and he like runs a, 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 a waste machinery where, where they like make the elastic bands for pants and stuff, and that kind of thing. Not as cool. Oh. <laughs> Not uh, as cool. Yeah, I mean, because <laughs> these, uh, I, I don't know, what, what the hell are these called? Like, the participation mystery dinner things. Um, when you think about it, it's kind of like those ghost tours, you know, where actually go, you go ghost hunting. Stuff like that, it sounds more fun than what it really is. Because when it comes down to it, at 7.30 p.m., you really want to eat dinner, and you really don't want to solve a shitty murder. You know, you'd rather sit down and eat your already cold pasta or you're already cold chicken and whatever but you know all in all it was entertaining we got paired up with this other group at, at our table we were there with uh, an older couple and her parents and they were very sweet uh the father he was hardcore mexican and he was absolutely confused as to what was going on <laughs> i mean nice. who knows maybe he actually thought he was in a Vin vincent price film or something like <laughs> house on hunted hill or whatever and, but then there was, like, this Asian couple, a well-to-do uh, young Asian couple, and my god, that bitch was such a goddamn control freak. Like, she was adamant to find these clues, but she went about it the, the whole, the wrong way. I mean, she spent most of the night finding other people's clues for them because she felt that they were taking too long. It was annoying. Wow. Now, granted, this was literally about... 15 years ago but my dad and at the time stepmom went to one of these like in colorado and and it was i mean but you knew going in that this was what it was supposed to be it wasn't you know it wasn't dinner theater you were actually going to a murder mystery dinner event or whatever and so the people would actually come and like sit at the table with you and talk and you know and, and be like oh well, i think you know mrs green did it with the candlestick and the lob and the library or whatever oh yeah um, yeah so did they do that as well? They did, yeah. Like uh, yeah. It was all about a movie star and director, and you're at a screening of this guy's new movie, and suddenly the film shuts off and the murderer appears on the screen. But of course, they make it look like you're watching a film projection, but it's all digital, and you see like the Windows Media Player thing like all queued up. 
<laughs> so it kind of takes away from, I mean it was a cool idea <laughs> but is the graininess within the border of the windows frame or is the graininess over the media player <laughs> <laughs> it, it was all the above it was goofy like even uh, even like the windows uh, sleep screen came up a couple times um, it, it was it was funny like there was one point when House of Wax the movie uh, the Vincent Price movie just randomly started playing instead of the movie that his character made but, I mean, it was fun. It was entertaining. You know that these people were trying to make a cool experience. So I, I'm told that it was better than uh, other mystery dinner theaters that go on around town. So, I mean, obviously, judging by what you're saying, that you, you pretty much get in, you get out of it what you put into it. And, of course, the variables of, like, you know, crazy people who are being domineering not making it as fun. But they just need to wait till dinner the- is over. To start, like, the actual uh, finding clues things, you know? I'm just curious, though. I mean, did the butler do it? No. I don't even remember who did it, but I guess that chick. I guess the, <laughs> I guess the girl who did it. It was oh, some, like, publicist okay, yeah. person or whatever. And it pissed me off because I was telling the Asian girl. I was like, no, it's, it's the girl that is currently not in the room. She is the one that is not in the room, so she is out in the back gutting somebody right now. No, 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 no! It, it was the actress. It was the actress. She wanted all the fame, so of course she killed the she killed the main starlet. It's like that is the most contrived, basic, basic plot, basic twist that any freaking idiot can come up with. And you know, and I was t- I told Chelsea, you know, like you know, I, I if it's this person, it is who I say it is. If it turns out to be that, I'm gonna be pissed off, and I was, and I made the little. Asian girl know it too. So she shut the hell up the rest of the night. <laughs> Once everything was resolved, I was pissed. But the uh, after party was fun. Haven't seen so many people dressed up uh, at a bar on Halloween ever, I think. And I mean, they were not like lavish over the top costumes. I mean, these were like really kick ass, you know, like kind of homemade costumes that uh, people had going on. So it was pretty cool. I, it was a fun night. I enjoyed it. A lot of drinking, a lot of walking, a lot of rain. Oh, right on. Now, let's see. Uh, My Halloween was spent at work, as we had discussed last week. And so um, it was not really anything spectacular. I was... uh, No shenanigans? uh, Yeah, no no shenanigans or anything. I did pretty well uh, for the shift. But I did also get two mini Snickers bars and one Reese's peanut butter cup. As tips? Uh, no, no, no. Just you know, kids like, hey, you want you want a trick or treat? And I'm like, well, sure. If you're offering, I'll go ahead and take some, take a piece of candy. Ooh, piece of candy. Ooh, piece of candy. So, yeah. <laughs> Here's a Twizzlers. The... I guess you're not going to want this fifty dollar tip. <laughs> yeah, but um, but the girls I know did have a blast. Then they um, they went as the oldest went as Astrid from How to Train Your Dragon. And the redhead went as Anna from Frozen, and then the littlest one was Tinkerbell. One DreamWorks and two Disneys. Mm-hmm. And the DreamWorks one was a Disney up until like six days before Halloween. She was originally going to be Maleficent, but then changed it at the last second. Oh, really? Yeah. Did she have like that other costume on standby? No, no, no. She. Uh, what happened was is my wife sat down and was like, okay, I'm going to go ahead and get the stuff to make y'all's costumes. So you have to decide now what's it going to be. And so, the, you know, 
Chloe and Evie were the same, and then Libby's like, you know what, I want to be Astrid from, and so she did. And I talked Jen into making the axe because she wasn't going to make an axe for it. And I'm like, you got to make the axe. You know, the axe is what's going to sell it. And sure enough, you know, there was a Halloween party at, on Saturday night. Um, I guess I'm not sure why they decided to do it on Saturday instead of Friday, but whatever. So subsequent Halloween party on Saturday and everybody loved Libby's outfit the best. And then all the boys at the party tried to take the axe and play with it for themselves. So, you know, there was that as well. Cool. But yeah, all in all, good weekend. Good weekend. Anyways, now that we have managed to uh, destroy nearly 20 minutes instead of our usual 10. <laughs> See, we bring people, we lure people in with the idea of 100 episodes and then we ruin it completely. Yeah. And then, and then it's like, wow. We should probably get to like some serious stuff here. Yeah, we promise you, we'll go back to our normal ten-minute opening next week. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not like we don't have a track record of ninety-nine episodes where we more or less stay on task and keep it to a particular format. So, ah, celebrations, celebrations. So, anyways, so you want to go ahead and get to the news then? Let's do it. All right, folks, here we go. It is the news for the one hundredth time. Do you want to start or do you want me to start? You can start. All right. You see how, you see the well-oiled machine that is this show, listeners. <laughs> we have it down to a science here. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you, you can start. <laughs> we try to play it off as if we don't know who is going to start. But really, we all know Matt will more than likely start. Yeah. 99% of the time, I guess i got to say I do start. But uh, anyway, all right, so I've got some terrible news to start the show with um, from gladwinput.com courtesy of Gladwin Grumpy Cat got a movie it's just as bad as you'd think <laughs> I love the title of this Grumpy Cat's worst Christmas ever when mediocre internet memes go too far <laughs> this particular uh, news article does include the trailer thank god this is a Lifetime movie. I realize we don't typically cover Lifetime movies on this show, but considering that when we had initially reported on this, it was just that there was a movie going to be made. So thankfully it's been relegated to Lifetime. <clears throat> it's a... It, it, yeah. Alright, so... The plot from what appears in the trailer, is that Grumpy Cat is gifted magically to some obnoxious teen girl loner who wants a friend to share Christmas with. But actually, Grumpy Cat, to everyone's shock, hates Christmas and is grumpy. Chortle, chortle, what a side splitter. Um, I really do like... I might have to read this person more often. Mr. Gladwin continues, or Miss Gladwin, because it's just Gladwin here. The entirety of the writing seems to be on two middle-aged women wondering about what would be cute to have this cat say on screen. And the worst part is... 
is that it's Aubrey Plaza as the voice of Grumpy Cat, except it's Grumpy Cat in real life and not moving. So you're just kind of like Garfield hearing the thoughts, only it's not funny at all. I can't stress, it's just terrible. And I'm just very sad that this has happened. And if Aubrey Plaza was not looking to be typecast, she has failed. So, any thoughts on that there, Tim? Uh, I, didn't, I, I, didn't, I didn't think you would have it. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, it is a Lifetime movie. Thankfully. Thankfully, it's not an actual movie movie. Like, someone would pay to put this on a big screen. That's, yeah. So, But how can you put a price know. on Grumpy Cat? Apparently they did. And Lifetime was the one who bought it. So, <laughs> Free. Go, go figure. Go figure. Anyway, uh, what do you got for us, sir? Alrighty. First up for me is something that I didn't even mention on the pre-show. From the HollywoodReporter.com, Justice Department suing to stop merger of two biggest in-theater advertising companies. Yes, that's right. This pertains to the uh, the advertisements you see before the previews of said movie that you are sitting awaiting to watch for 25 minutes, watching car commercials and watching you know all that all that stuff. And it says this. The $375 million deal is at risk in a new antitrust lawsuit. The Department of Justice doesn't like the message it is getting from the proposed merger of in-theater advertising companies, National Cinemedia, and Screen Vision, and has announced that it is filing a federal lawsuit in New York to block the $375 million deal. NCM reaches almost 20,000 movie screens across the United States, and the public company is primarily controlled by AMC Entertainment, Cinemark Holdings, and Regal Entertainment Group. In May, MCM, or I should say NCM, announced that it would be acquiring Scream Vision, which reaches more than 14,000 screens. Together, the two companies serve 88% of all movie theater screens in the United States, through long-term exclusive contracts, according to the DOG, Department of Justice. The proposed bill combination of NCM and Screen Vision is a bad deal for movie theaters, advertisers, and consumers, says Bill Baer, Assistant Attorney General at the Justice Department, Antitrust Division. This merger to Monopoly is exactly the type of transaction the antitrust laws were designed to prohibit. If this deal is allowed to proceed, the benefits of competition will be lost, depriving theaters and advertisers of options for cinema advertising network services and risking higher prices to moviegoers. End quote. The DOG says that the two companies have been engaged in intense competition with one another for advertisers and movie theaters and that the merger was intended to put an end to aggressive pricing. One NCM executive is quoted as to saying, quote, We need to buy Screen Vision before either of us or Screen Vision does a stupid deal. End all quotes. What do you think, Matt? Do you think it would be an issue for these two companies to merge and create one 
mega pre-movie advertising conglomerate? Yes. Even if it's a sham, I want the, at least the appearance of propriety. You just, I mean, yeah, I, as as much of as much of a fan of capitalism as I am, um, a monopoly is never the answer to anything. And as things continually become more and more homogenized, it just starts to become easier and easier. And people are like, oh, the next logical step is no, the next logical step is innovation. It's not further homogenization, and it sure as shit isn't monopoly. Is not making it a monopoly. And I'm sorry, when you do that, when you create an effective monopoly, you stifle any further development or innovation that goes against that monopoly, or that could theoretically truly compete with said monopoly. So, yeah, I'm sorry. I, I, I gotta, I gotta say no. There you go. All right. So, I started off with some very terrible news. Now I'd like to make some even better news. This is good news. See, we're, we're moving up the spectrum from terrible to better. From comicbook.com, courtesy of Dennis Upkins, Michael Bay will not return for next Transformers film. Set to direct 13 hours. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Even though Michael Bay will not be filming the next Transformers film, he's not slowing down anytime soon. Variety reports that Bay is in preliminary discussions to direct Paramount's 13 Hours. Based on actual events, the story recounts the attack on the U.S. Special Mission Compound and a nearby CIA annex in Benghazi, Libya, on the 11th anniversary of September 11th. Now, the only thing that Michael Bay actually said about it was, quote, I have a lot of stories to tell. And it's about flexing new muscles, end quote. That's uh, for him saying that's why he's not doing the next Transformers movie. I think that, honestly, I think he's even just he's had enough. Like, okay, I can't take it anymore. You know, the money's nice, but even the crying all the way to the bank. I just, you know, just please leave me alone. So, yeah. What do you think there, Tim? Do you think it's time for him to go and butcher another franchise or what? Well, I mean, will this turn out to be another franchise? Will it be 13 hours <laughs> in? Is, I mean, I hope not. Is, I hope there's not a sequel. Is Michael, this is Michael Bay. He might do this in one-hour segments. He'll have one hour. It's one hour of the attack on Benghazi, but he'll stretch it into two and a half hours. This is what was happening in minutes one through three. Now, quick, let's show up from another angle and another angle. It's like 24 on crack. So, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway. Well, I, I, it's always good to hear Michael Bay stepping back a little bit. Uh, given how <laughs> much I absolutely hate Transformers, the, uh, the franchise as a whole, I, it's going to take a lot of doctoring. And you have to find absolutely, I would say, maybe the stark opposite of Michael Bay to revive the franchise. I mean, who do you, do? is there anybody in mind that you can think of that would be a good person to bring on to reinvent the franchise? I don't know. I'm pretty sure if we go to a... <sighs> Preferably not J.J. Abrams. No, I was trying to think of someone with special needs. Um, special needs? Yeah. like Because I'm pretty sure someone with special needs could do a better job. Um, golly gee. How about George Lucas? <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
that didn't help, did it? Okay. Um, not that he has special needs. Not that he's a special needs kind of guy. I'm just, you know, someone who's equally terrible. Oh, I wouldn't go that far. I mean, look at George Lucas's catalog, and he has made a number of, of better movies than Michael Bay. Well, I don't know. I look at Michael Bay. Back when Michael Bay did movies like The Rock, okay, which were action movies and never that great in the writing department, uh, but great in the testosterone and solid in the action oh, and sure. just total fun to watch. Yeah, for, for an early was, 90s action movie, The Rock is really good. Sure. And so you look at movies like that, and then you remember that he was partnered with Jerry Bruckheimer at that time. And... That's kind of like how I feel about George Lucas. When George Lucas gets with the right creative person, um, the, the, the output is ten times better. Um, I've always said that even when it comes to Star Wars. There's no way you can take anything away from what Star Wars has done to the world and George Lucas's contribution thereof. But it's decidedly better when he's not directing, when he's working with other people. He's got an amazing uh, knack for coming up with really out there ideas and then implementing those ideas and so when he's there as a producer as an executive producer someone who's there to work creatively to help drive a project like with indiana jones um you've got you know he's there partnered with steven spielberg um these are the kinds of things that are like wow what look look at this amazing stuff but you get him on his own and he just can't do it it's the same with michael bay he just I mean, yeah, the guy makes money. Yes, Lucas made money, but that doesn't necessarily mean it was good. But at least with George Lucas, you can say he tried. He tried to make a good movie. If you peel well, back all the if really corniness... If you Michael Bay, he would tell you that he tried to make a good movie. He'd probably tell you that he did make a good movie. Oh, yeah, <laughs> as he's telling you to fuck off, and he's spitting yeah, in mean, your face. Uh, oh, yeah, totally. Have you seen... I mean, it, he'd be quoting Will Smith. So many zeros in my check, it's like, ooh. So, you know, I mean, but still. <sighs> And I'm guilty. I'm guilty of all of it. I've seen all the fucking movies. I've seen all the Transformers movies. I've seen all the Star Wars movies. I've seen all the Indiana Jones movies. I mean, yeah, I'm guilty. That's fine. I'm guilty. But that doesn't necessarily mean... I would rather watch... I enjoyed the clone... Watching the... Going to see the Clone Wars animated movie at the movie theater more than I did seeing the last three Transformers movies. Wait, hang on. I take that back. To be, I mean, to be fair, I did enjoy Revenge of the Fallen, the third movie, somewhat, but I still liked the Clone Wars movie better than the second Transformers movie and the last Transformers movie. <laughs> and I even fell asleep when I went to go see the Star Wars animated movie. So, and I still enjoyed it more so. There you go. Yeah. All right, we are, we are way, way off topic again. Apparently, the 100th episode does not agree with us in terms of getting shit done. <laughs> oh, man. So, I think just in the interest of time, I'm going to just call mine. Actually, hang on. I'm going to just I'm gonna throw one thing out there. Sure. One thing out there. Um, no, two things out there. Just because I want to get it out there and I don't want it to take two more weeks. Um, go to <laughs> flickeringmyth.com. 
courtesy of Gary Collinson. There's an article there about Tom Hiddleston uh, playing Loki again. He's coming back for Avengers Age of Ultron, Thor Ragnarok, and Avengers Infinity War. So that's going to be cool. And then last but not least, in Hong Kong, in case you haven't noticed over the last few weeks, month really, uh, they've been having lots of protests. Um, you know, the, the the people are trying to change the, the government and stuff. Actor Chow Yun-Fat had um, displayed support for them and, and actually spoke out in support of those people. And uh, the People's Republic of China, the government actually banned him from acting ever again. So this is from ShanghaiIST.com. And... He has been quoted in this article as saying, and this is from Katie Nelson, courtesy of Katie Nelson. He says, quote, I'll just make less than, end quote. And I think that's really badass. So that's going to be my news. Tim, why don't you bring us home, sir? Ending it on the fat of some chow. Okay, so I have a few things to mention. Real quick. Uh, okay, from uh, thehollywoodreporter.com. Actually, all of these are from The Hollywood Reporter. Until I get to the deaths. Uh, and those are just brought to you by death, I guess. Uh, the first one here, NPAA and National Association of Theater Owners ban Google Glass. Google Glass. Other wearable tech. And this is written by Pamela McClin- McClin- God, I can't speak ever. Pamela McClintock. And it says this. Don't plan on being able to wear your Google Glass or smartwatch when heading to the movies. On Wednesday, the Motion Picture Association of America and the National Association of Theater Owners adopted a zero-tolerance policy against wearable technologies such as Google Glass. Moviegoers must turn off and put away any and all such devices or risk being asked to leave. If theater staff suspects that a legal recording is taking place, law enforcement authorities will be notified. The same anti-piracy policy already exists for phones and other recording devices. Officials with the MPAA and NATO approved the new rule during a meeting of Show East, the annual fall gathering of theater owners in Hollywood. I bet that must be a invigorating gathering of people. Uh, that is one convention I would not want to go to. Um, but yeah, you know what? I will end that article there. Matt, any comments, questions, or concerns before I jump to my next one? Or is that nope. just kind of like an obvious, like, well, obviously yeah, they're I mean, band. I, I'm surprised. That, honestly, I'm surprised it took them this long. So, yeah. No, no surprise there. Exactly. Next piece of news. I find this quite interesting. Uh, Lost Orson Welles film could be released next year. How interesting. It's uh, the past year, year and a half, we've been hearing about all these old movies that have been discovered in people's attics. We found an old Mary Pickford silent film right before Mickey Rooney passed away. Somebody came across a lost Andy Rooney, or excuse me, a a lost Andy Rooney tape. Uh, Burn all those, please. No, a lost Mickey Rooney tape, a lost silent Mickey Rooney feature film back when he was just a, a wee a wee little Mickey, um, but no, this one is Orson Welles. This is a talkie. This was one of the last movies he was working on before he passed away in the eighties. Orson Welles's final film, which has remained unfinished for decades, could hit theaters in time for the one hundredth anniversary of the filmmaker's birth next May. 
Royal Road Entertainment has secured the rights to The Other Side of the Wind. The New York Times is reporting. The Los Angeles-based production company plans on bringing it to the American film market next month to promote distribution for the film. Wells never completed his film, which quite fittingly tells the story of a director attempting to finish a masterpiece while clashing with the Hollywood system. The film stars John Huston, Susan Strasberg, Lily Palmer, Dennis Hopper, and Peter Bogdanovich. The rights to the film has been tied up in legal battles. Wells spent the last 15 years of his life on the project. Up until his death in 1985, he left behind roughly 45 minutes of edited film. Absolutely fascinating. Uh, And lastly here, I just want to mention a few deaths, a few passings. Uh, One here is a famed composer for TV and film. He passed away at the age of 81 years old. His name was Ian Fraser. Uh, he did. Uh, he was nominated for multiple Emmy Awards. He won 11 Emmy Awards, nominated for 32. He often collaborated with Julie Andrews. Another one here is a French New Wave actor and writer who passed away at the age of 92. His name is Daniel Bollinger. He was born in 1922 outside of Paris. Uh, he played a killer cop in Jean-Luc Godard's Breathless and a gangster star in Francois Truffaut's Shoot the Piano Player, which is awfully fascinating and awfully sad as well. Pioneering in the French New Wave, or pioneer -er from the French New Wave. And lastly here is Ron Eisenberg. He was a home video pioneer who died at the age of 73. I'm going to read a little bit about this real quick because this is quite fascinating. Ron Eisenberg, founder and former president of ETD, East Texas Distributing, died peacefully in his Houston home on October 31st. He was 73. During his nearly 30 years in Texas, the company grew from 150 employees to more than 1,200 employees and would eventually control more than a third of the video rental business in the U.S., surpassing $1 billion in sales as a distributor for the major studios in grocery stores, warehouse clubs, and video stores nationwide. Now, this was the guy who, before Blockbuster established video rental, the little video rental kiosks or stations that you would find in Randall's as well as in Kroger. In fact, I remember I rented more VHS tapes growing up out of Kroger, which I guess in California, Ralph's or Randall's, than I did out of Blockbuster. And he did this a full year before Blockbuster even started. So he was definitely a home video pioneer. His name was Ron Eisenberg. And that is the end of my news. And what news it was. All right. <laughs> so I guess it is now time to do the segment that we have no fan for or anything for. It's just our 100th episode retrospective. I guess we could do the... Welcome to the 100th episode retrospective of the SLS cast. That's about all I've got. Hosted by... (laughs) Brought to you by... Hi there, (laughs) my name's Troy McClure. Perhaps you might remember me from such films as... I don't know. Brought to you by Jesus Rancher. (laughs) 
<laughs> Jesus Rancher, go, Jesus Rancher. Uh, yeah. Uh, and that's the end of the segment. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, so a hundred episodes. All right. Now, in in technical truth, we're actually somewhere in the neighborhood of like 113 or something like that. Um, but yeah, we okay. So back in like March of 2011, I had come off of a podcast earlier that year where I had been hosting regularly with my buddy Jeremy and we were doing um, a podcast on World of Warcraft. It's called The Wow Factor Show. And and he is still doing that. He's actually brought that back. He's doing them. Uh, so make sure you go check out Wow Factor Show as well. Um, and so Jeremy and I, uh, I had decided I was going to go ahead and take a break from Wow and all that kind of stuff. But um, we had always toyed around with the idea. Me and a couple of the other hosts and stuff had decided about had been like, man, we should do a movie podcast. How, what fun would it be? And then it just never really kind of panned out, but I really wanted to do one. And so I was talking about it at work one day, and um, and then there was this guy, Tim. And we kind of got to talking about movies a little bit. And then I was like, man, I really want to do a podcast about movies. We were massaging each other's feet, and the idea of movie <laughs> podcasting came up. <laughs> so, um, and so, yeah, so this is like March of, two, of 2011, and then we kind of kicked it around for a little bit. And then I guess we decided, and this is where the original, I know we've referenced it umpteen million times, but this is where we always talk about um, the original girl with the dragon tattoo trilogy because we wanted to practice believe it or not we we actually did try to put on a good show from the beginning um and so we wanted to practice we knew that neither one of us having really worked together beyond hey how's it going how's your day going at work you know i mean we weren't like best friends or anything it was just we (laughs) fighting to get the best pizza delivery yeah i mean we were just we were just you know movie buffs and wanted to see if we could kind of hammer this thing out so we decided to practice and we did we were working out formatting ideas and everything else so and then of course we decided to watch the girl with the dragon tattoo trilogy and then we would do a mock episode of the show and so we kind of talked and then we you know did whatever and it took until june 13th we even have a dress rehearsal. We actually even have a dress rehearsal recorded. I mean, there's that's that's something that y'all probably never hear, but it's there. Uh, so June 13th, we published our first episode. And if you want to hear just exactly how terrible it was, it's it's up there. The good, the bad, and the ugly. It's all up there. And then um, and we just kind of we we did our thing. It was a different format back then. We included television. In our initial format. The Twilight Rather, Zone. Specific, yeah, well, we also tried, yeah, we were also trying to do the, go through the entire Twilight Zone series, classic Twilight Zone series. Um, yeah, and then, uh, basically, neither one of us were really prepared to dedicate the amount of time I think that it was going to take to do it. Um, not to mention, we couldn't really get all the technical shit right, and... Jeremy, 
<laughs> again from the Mile Fact Show, actually made it onto the show. He's briefly mentioned <laughs> and briefly makes a voice appearance on the show for episode eight for the Curse of the Ocho, where we were just having so many technical difficulties. Um, we recorded it like three times. Yes. Oh my god, it was terrible. Yeah, I mean, it took like a month to try because it was like three different weeks of recording because shit was just fucked up, fucked up, fucked up. And um, yeah, and so um, I don't know. Should, should we go ahead and let Jeremy say a few words now? I think we should. Okay, Jeremy. What? Wh- please regale us. Hi, I'm Jeremy, and you might remember me from such podcasts as The Wow Factor Show. Or the SLS cast, The Curse of the Ocho. Well, I'm here to talk to you today about something that affects us all. It's called Where Has the Time Gone Syndrome. It affects one in every one listener to the SLS cast. You may not even be aware that you suffer from it, but we all do. The only known treatment for this affliction, of which there is no cure, is to wish the SLS cast a happy 100th episode and try not to think about where the time has gone. Happy 100th episode, guys. Phew, I feel better already. And thank you, Jeremy. Thank you very much. Um, but yeah, so that's Jeremy. He really did exist. And perhaps if you go back and listen to that terrible, terrible old episode from the original series. I've called that now the original series. Um, then you might remember briefly hearing his voice and me talking about him. Um, so at any rate, yeah, so we didn't get very far. We got about 12, 13 episodes in, and then, yeah, I guess life got in the way, shit fell apart, and we didn't really, we didn't even, like, talk for, like, a year, right? Yeah, things didn't end on the best of terms for Matt and Tim. <laughs> <laughs> things almost didn't get back together on the best of terms. <laughs> this either. is how, I guess this is, this is, like, the behind the music portion of the... A&E Backstory, the oh, SLS yeah, that's cast. Oh, yeah, biography. <laughs> and coming up next, the dark times for the SLS cast. Um, Matt got hooked on a heroin as Tim <laughs> became a sex addict and, <laughs> and shot five people. And <laughs> uh, So, yeah. Um, and and I, it's kind of interesting because you, I, I mean, I don't know what kind of relationship you guys think that tim and i have but i honestly um tim and i i i know that we are friends tim and i i know tim, uh, tim could call me and i would help him i would definitely put him out if he was on fire um i'm <laughs> vaguely certain tim would do the same for me but i think about it he see he would think <laughs> about it and you know at, at the time that we were putting the show back together he wouldn't have you know so uh, yeah, sure so, I mean, there I was would. a lot of shit that we were, you know, we're going through and working out and everything. But I mean, and the nice thing is, I think really is that Tim and I are a lot, I kind of look at us a lot like Penn and Teller or, um, oh, good Lord. Uh, what is it? Fred, right? Fred and the, Ethel. The guys from Mythbusters. Oh. They have an excellent working relationship, and they are friends, and uh, and they're close in that camaraderie way. But they're not like brothers; they don't hang out all the time. Uh, you know, they they're not over at their kids' bar mitzvahs and anything else or anything. But they, to be fair, have... it's kind of hard for us to hang out. True, but I mean, even when we did live here, we didn't really do it all that often. Well, true, we had different lives. Yeah, but 
I mean, and I think that that really kind of helps keep us kind of grounded, you know? I mean, neither one of us ever takes the other, um, neither with a grain of salt nor too seriously. And neither one of us is really afraid to get mad at the other because we know that we'll eventually come around. Um, we had a, I mean, we had a, a texting spat like a month ago about fucking, uh, what was it? Uh, I don't remember to parody be honest. Shit. We, parody bullshit. So, you know, we, yeah, we, we still, we, you know, and, and then there's times when shit doesn't make the show or we don't, you know, because we're arguing about stuff too much. And I think that that's what kind of helps keep the show for us fun and fresh is because this show is the dynamic that we work together on. And so, you know. I think, by God, if it works for Penn and Teller, it sure as shit can work for us. You know, you know, you know what a fun memory I have. That it's, it's, it's ironic as fuck, too. Uh, so we were having like it, it was like in January. I might have been like March or something of 2012. <laughs> Okay. Oh, so this is right after we came back. This is, okay. no, no, so no, this no, is, no, no, no. This is no, during the original back. run. Reboot started December of 2012, and this was oh before God, I right. moved to oh LA. And okay. I was still living in downtown Houston. And at this time, I was working at a restaurant. My schedule—I uh, didn't have a set schedule. Uh, it, it was all over the place, and I was a single. I was in college, and so I was so busy doing so much shit. Uh, that it, I mean, I, I don't want to blame it all on that because a lot of it was my, I don't know, like stupidity or just, I don't know, just, all, just crap that go was going on back then. So we just stopped talking <laughs> December of 2011. Uh, and we sort of kind of reconnected at a bar in February or March at that pool hall. Remember? And so we were sitting together at the bar at like midnight, you know, on a Wednesday night. Shoot. Oh my God. Yeah. It's that fucking pool hall that's over, um, over by Richie in 45. Slick Willies. <laughs> Slick Willies. And we're sitting there going back and forth. And there was this, uh, there was this girl, there was this woman sitting next to Matt. And she overheard what we were talking about. And we were talking about movies or whatever. And so she, you know, was kind of interested in what we were talking about. So we were kind of like bantering, you know, going playing off of one another. And she's like, oh, wow, man, you guys are really funny. You guys should do a show together. And it's like, well, that's funny. You should say that because we kind of do uh, slash did. And then, like, we got our, I think our morale was boosted uh, because of that. And, you know, we kind of play you know joked around with the girl and you know and, and, and all this stuff we felt really good and we we're like okay well you know we're gonna get back on the show you know you send out these tweets you you know get the uh, the website yada 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 and we didn't talk again after that <laughs> pretty much like <laughs> until i contacted matt uh until i moved to los angeles and i realized how stupid i was for not putting for putting the extra effort into the SLS cast and realizing how much how much potential we had to to have such a great show or to have you know as good of a show that I think we we do have right now and so I contacted Matt in November of 2012 and you know kind of like with the puppy dog with the tail between his legs saying please come back please accept me 
<laughs> and I was all like completely like blindsided. So, and then I wasn't sure what to expect. And I was like being, uh, I was being way too fucking butthurt about it. Oh yeah, and, and the show almost got canceled again. <laughs> yeah, and the show almost didn't happen again because of that. And then like it literally came down to like he thought that I said something in a text message and I thought that he had said something in a text message basically stating he thought I was supposed to call him or something and I thought he was supposed to call me and so we got the wires crossed and um thinking oh fuck well here we go again look it's been like a week and we can't even get this shit worked out blah 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 so I literally went through and I took out all the text messages and I wrote them all down into this email. And as I'm banging out this email, I'm like, oh, I'll fucking show him. I'm typing this shit out. And then as I get down to the end of it, I was like, well, I could kind of see how he thought that. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm looking at it but like, but I can see how I thought. So I sent that to him and I'm like, so I think we both kind of fucked up here. And then we ended up putting the show on. So uh, then we got with Mikey. And when, and this was the reboot, so now we're actually, now we're truly are into the, uh, hundred episodes that we're on now with the new, the, the current iteration. And so Mikey was with us briefly until he went on to other things as people are wont to do in life. Um, and so we, we, kind we of were the foundation for where he's at now. Whenever he yes. when, when he wins awards, he should recognize us. You know how much That's we right. helped him, helped him out with e- his career. Exactly, whatever he's exactly. doing. Exactly, you know, as as he's you know cursing us and you know everything else. But um, <laughs> so <laughs> I mean, it's not every day you can thank the SLS cast for being able to grow out a beard and stuff, stuff sausages in your mouth. I mean, you can't. You know, it's not every day you get to do that. And Mikey, we're not talking about you. Yes, we are. <laughs> <laughs> we were the inspiration for the beard. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so, and then, uh, so we had a new format when we came back, but then, uh, you know, Mikey decided again he wanted to do some other things, so that's cool. And, um, we kind of readjusted the show back down to two people, and that's been pretty much it. We've only had two episodes where one of us haven't been here. And one was episode 18, and uh, Tim's friend Andy filled in, and they had just a spectacular discussion on this. uh, It was a list of movies, like 90 movies or something that everybody should have seen or or something like that. Uh, I I don't recall exactly um, what it was. It was too many. That's what it was. (laughs) It was 19. (laughs) Okay, there you go. It's the list of the 19 best movies that you didn't see in 2012 and so they were talking about those movies and they had, and here they are having a you know trying to have a meaningful discussion and everything and so i was with my wife and we were off for a week there and then uh come episode 38 tim had to be gone uh he was going to be out for a week or whatever uh for something that he needed to take care of hawaii and so I'm sorry? Hawaii. I was basking in the rays of the Pacific. Oh, Hawaii. Yes, of course. Hawaii. And so he's out there, you know, and being his old howly self out there. And then I have my buddy Sam come in. And Sam 
And I basically have this 30-something minute rambling drunk-ass conversation about some funky-ass movies that we watched. And, uh, and a lot, so, of, so a clearly, lot about penises and boobs. <laughs> now, we had fun. I, we had fun. I recognize now that that was probably not the best episode, and that's okay. But <laughs> uh, Sam also has something he'd like to say as well. Hey, guys. Remember me. It's Sam from episode 28, The Drunk Babbling Idiot. Just wanted to say thanks for listening to the SLS cast, and congratulations to Matt and Tim on their 100th episode. You guys are awesome. And thank you, Sam. And I know that we were, um, you know, drunk and everything, and and through my alcohol-fueled haze, I still say Andy and Tim's episode was better. But, I, you know what, we'll always have episode 38. Sam and I will always have episode 38. So, um... Yeah. So, I mean, and so basically we've just been kind of taking it from there and trying to constantly refine, actually sound like we know what the fuck we're doing, more that we sound like the fuck, we know what the fuck we're talking about, and trying to keep things fresh with new segments and reaching out to people. Um, and that, and we have, we actually, and we actually made some new podcasting friends because of that. Um, I reached out a few months back to Midnight Movie Nights, and uh, that's Nights with a K. <laughs> so you can check them out as well. Their their Twitter, if you'd like to follow them, after following us, because <clears throat> again, we're at the SLS cast. But um, if you want to follow them, they're on Movie Nights Pod, at Movie Nights Pod on Twitter. And... Um, so we've, you know, I've been on their show and everything. We're still working out to try and get them onto our show. Uh, but they, they're actually in the middle of a cross country move. It, uh, they're getting their stuff there because just like us, it was crazy. Uh, Siebes is in LA and then the cat was here in Texas where I am here in Texas and Tim is in LA. It's crazy. So they're moving in the process currently of moving the cat out to LA. So that'll be fun. That's, you know, so there's that. And as it turns out, they have something they would like to say. Hey, Kitty. Yes. The guys are recording their hundredth episode. R2 and Raphael? No, the other guys. Mark Wahlberg and Will Ferrell? No... Matt and Tim, you know, the SLS cast, they're oh, recording yeah. their 100th episode, dude. That's awesome. I know. How cool is that? It's very cool. You think we'll get to 100? Uh, if we don't kill each other, yeah. Okay, that's good. Yeah, yeah. But enough about us. Congratulations, Matt and Tim. Way to go, guys. 100 episodes. That's really freaking awesome. And if you're wondering who the hell it is that's congratulating them, well, I'm Miranda Janelle. I'm that freaking cat. And together, we are form of the Midnight Movie Nights. With a K. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> Seriously, guys, congratulations. 100 episodes. That's really freaking awesome. And we're very, very proud of you, aren't we? Dude, aren't yes, we? Sir. Tell him. Yes, tell him now. We're very proud of you. Very Way good. Way to go for one hundred. You can have a you can have a treat. Excellent. <laughs> They're not gonna want to use this. <laughs> Why? I don't know. Cause they're on a hundred. They're they're further along would... than we are. <laughs> I, I was gonna get a treat. No treat for you. 
Oh, disappointment. <laughs> Mew Mew! So, yes, that's that's Midnight Movie Nights, folks. <laughs> I love them dearly. I truly do. Um, so I guess that kind of brings us... Is there anything else you want to talk about the show at all? Where we're going, what we're wanting to do? Or um, maybe talk about the people who say they love us or anything? Or uh, I can only think of all the negative stuff right now that's happened on the show. <laughs> I, I thought about that one, like the early moments, and now I'm thinking about, well, we did have that crazy discussion. Uh, well, one crazy discussion where I just unplugged my computer, which shut it down completely. <laughs> I'm I'm trying not to bring that shit up. And then last Halloween, <laughs> I thought you kicked it. I thought you kicked it. Or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's right. Yeah. And then last Halloween, we you disagreed with my history of Halloween movies, and that was fun. Well, look, I I mean, hey, as far as I'm concerned, nothing's ever gonna top Melancholia. I mean, as, as you know, we've argued about some shit, but uh, it, you know. And it's not even going to matter at this point because anybody who wants to hear that is never, ever, ever going to hear the full unedited discuss, you know, discussion. Fucking just bitch match at each other that we had for Melancholia. That one's just like locked away in the vault, you know, with the fucking Area 51 files and That's shit. That's like a 25-minute conversation, too. <laughs> Which you edited down to like... 10 minutes. I know. Yeah. That's why, that's, that's why people, you're never going to hear that whole thing. But yeah, I mean, again, we're, you know what though? If you look at Siskel and Ebert, uh, the people who pretty much honestly made it possible for us to even have this kind of a show, granted, they didn't foresee it happening that way, but I mean, a pair of guys talking about movies and being able to, you know, make something of that and have an impact in our case, however small, um, is because of that dynamic that was initially set by at the movies. So, um, you look at some of the stuff that they've that I mean, good God, did they get into it? I mean, the things from behind the scenes. Holy crap! They, I mean, they didn't fuck around. They didn't take prisoners either. I mean, they drew blood. So, I don't mind it so much. I mean, I don't want us to ever like truly hate one another, but. You know, as far as I'm concerned, it's, it's good for us to actually kind of take a few swipes every now and then. Now, where do you see us in a hundred more episodes, Matt? I don't know. I think this is probably a good time to, to drop in uh, what my lovely wife had to say. Because I almost sometimes feel like this. All right, what am I doing again? 100th episode. Of what? My show. You're still fucking doing that? Yes. Oh, so that's why I'm locked in the room every Monday night? Yes. Like a prisoner. Yes. I'm just kidding. Congratulations on 100 episodes. Proud of you. So you see, that's sometimes how I feel. Like, are we still doing this? <laughs> is this still happening? <laughs> so in 200, in another 100 episodes... I'm not joking. I hope we're getting paid, man. <laughs> I would I would like to recoup some of this money. <laughs> I think I'm going to start wearing pants when I record. Why? I think gradually I will start putting on articles of clothing. Uh, so I'm not just sitting around naked talking to you for two hours. But that's... 
the fun of podcasting. I know, but I'm kind of the the paint on this chair is is wearing off. Like I only <laughs> want a, a yellow ass for so. <laughs> I, I mean, I think that's why I'm I'm I get sick more out here is because of of paint of lead paint. Are, are you are you trying to turn yourself into a Simpsons character? Or I something? am. Yes, at least my ass. <laughs> yes, Simpson assitis. Ah. I feel a lot of love in this room. You know, I feel it. I feel a lot of love. Uh, that's all I got. Right on. Well, so a retrospective. At least you guys now know a little bit more of the history behind the show and how it came to be and why we sit around and do this every week. Um, and honestly, you know what I would like to. You know what I would like to have happen in the next hundred episodes. What's that? I'd like to get some emails and some tweets and shit. Have we checked? When was the last time we've we've checked the email? I check every week. I check it every week. Oh, you do? I know that we have. We know that people listen because we see it. I know that people have talked to me directly on Twitter. Um, So, you know, people like Diana and and the cat and Siebes and stuff. So I know that there are some people who have listened to the show, Jeremy and stuff like that. Um, So, I mean... And and we can see the IPs that are individual IPs. So we know that real people out there listen. Um, I just... I just want you to talk to me. So that's what I, that's what I would like to have happen. Uh, but I guess, yeah, I think we should just leave it there. It's been a great ride. Been a hell of a fucking ride. And just going to keep going. Like Nas said, can't stop, won't stop. And then cue the background music, let it swell, crescendo, and... Cue commercial. Cue commercial. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for listening to the SLS cast, brought to you by Jesus Rancher. Jesus Rancher, go. Jesus Rancher. Go to the store, gonna buy me a Jesus Rancher. Jesus Rancher. (laughs) Oh, yeah. All right, so, (laughs) with the... uh, With the 12 minutes we have left of the show to do. (laughs) Uh, Shall we go ahead and get to the uh, nitty gritty, sir? We shall. Let's do it, folks. It is the movie. All right. Oh, and as an added bonus, next week for our th- bonus segment, uh, we're going to do a three squared, and Tim and I are going to cover our favorite baseball-themed movies. So, there you go. All right, so the movies this week, Killing Them Softly, Cuban Fury, and Nightcrawler. Where do you want to start, sir? How about uh, Killing Them Softly? All right, Killing Them Softly, 2012 American neo-noir crime film, directed by Andrew Dominic and starring Brad Pitt. Uh, also has appearances by Ray Liotta, Sam Shepard, and the late, great James Gandolfini. This here is a movie about um, mafia, poker game robbery, and the subsequent aftermath. And it's framed around the 2008 presidential election. Um, The phrase actually killing them softly comes from Brad Pitt's character, who likes to 
kill his he, he like he's a hitman and he likes to take out his targets by killing them softly which means that they don't see it coming so that they their last moments are not surrounded by fear uh, you know it's, it's it's kind of like a serious version of gross point blank if you will um this is definitely a very well acted movie now uh oh good lord uh, the drop right was that the one we just did three weeks ago james gandolfini and tom hardy yes right yeah the drop okay this is uh, in the same vein as the drop now the difference here is that the characters are much more in my opinion much more fleshed out than they were in the drop i thought this movie was really 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 well done i definitely believed all of these characters this is a version of james gandolfini that i love to see not someone who's in control or trying to uh, direct the situation or playing a stronger character, but someone who actually is weak, someone who is not something that you would see him really being, especially for someone who has the reputation that this character has in the movie, and then to see it play out the way it's played out is absolutely phenomenal. Um, Brad Pitt, really, really good. Actually, I don't really have anything against... I can't really say anything uh, against any of the acting in this film. I thought everybody did a really good job. Um, the only thing that I don't like about this movie is the ending. I'm all about thought-provoking endings, but this wasn't a thought-provoking ending to me. It just seemed rather anticlimactic. And it's not even about, oh, well, so how do you think it played out? It's just kind of like left me feeling that's it. So that really, really, really hurt this movie for me. It went honestly from being just an out, absolutely outstanding movie to just being really, really good. So I'm going to come in on this one at four stars, um, mainly because the ending, but direction was good, story was great, acting is awesome. Yeah, you know what? I felt the I felt the same way. Uh, but what got me is that. Okay, so you have the the great acting, fantastic acting. There are some tremendous scenes. There are these great moments, nuanced moments that I just eat up. But there is something that I think people called, uh, or what people described as pretentious. And what I'm about to explain to me isn't pretentious. I just didn't think it was well executed. And th it was this like parallel of like capitalism is bad was the message that they were trying to go for. And that is why it's kind of the parallel with the uh, 2008 Obama uh, election. And about, you know, how capitalism is bad and uh, just all this stuff. Kind of like, it, it felt too much of a forced opinion than it being like something nuanced or like another, another level to the action of the movie. Something where maybe on a second viewing, you'd pick up on it. Or maybe there's like a moment in the movie when you realize, oh, there's like a message in this movie and it completely fits. It fits within everything that's going on. But really it just, it, it, it stands out and it takes away from the main action of the movie. Beautifully shot, a really good story, really great characters, great moments and fantastic acting. 
Unfortunately for me, the learning, the whole lesson that they were wanting to, that they were trying to impose on you, just took me out of the, took me out of the mode, took me out of the whole experience. So unfortunately, I give this movie 3.25 or 3.5, um, leaning more towards a 3.25 out of 5. Right on, right on. All right, where do you want to go from here, sir? Let's go with Cuban Fury. Cuban Fury, 2014 romantic comedy film. It's directed by James Griffiths and stars Nick Frost, Rashida Jones, and Chris O'Dowd, along with appearances by Ian McShane, again, uh, and cameo appearance by Sam, Simon Pegg. Um, all right, so basically we've got a guy, he's an engineer, he was a former dance champion, um, and he wants to impress his crush, who happens to be his boss. He's got to get back into performing uh, I, I guess uh, down to his uh, performance physique or what have you. Um, I don't know. I guess it's gotta be. I I really and truly feel bad for the romantic comedy because it's one of those genres that literally the stars have to align. And just one out of every thousand, it seems, is just is the one that's like, oh my god, it's so amazing, it's so good. Um, you know, for every fifty first dates, there's five hundred Valentine's dates. For you know, um, uh, you know, and it just, I, I, it's a cute movie, but it's not a good. Mo- I mean, it's not really funny. Um, it's I don't know I just um it's a cute movie I will I will give it it's a cute movie uh it's a nice light date movie but it's not exceptionally funny and it's just kind of the average story that you see in a rom-com uh 2.75 a little better than okay. I, I have nothing else. Go ahead. Yeah, sir. I feel the exact same way. Uh, again, um, it, it's like what makes this movie somewhat enjoyable to watch is Nick Frost and the energy he brings to the movie and his characters, and just like the the, the kind of like the overall sweetness to the story itself. But it feels like a mix between various genres of a romantic comedy. You have the British situational romantic comedy like your Bridget Joneses or your, your Hugh Grant movies where he's 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 uh, torn between a lover but he's like she has to do something in order for this woman like prove himself in order for him and the, the woman he's after to fall in love with him or to fall in love with each other or whatever and then you also have the vulgar American in your face somewhat of a love comedy where you have the uh, underappreciated hero of the movie who's, you know, who's, uh, in this case, he's fat. He's trying to win over the gorgeous woman at the office, yet he has to compete with a more uh, strapping-looking man who happens to be vulgar as fuck. And every single side comment has to pertain to sticking it into a hole or sticking something into a hole, just referencing sex, sexual positions, doing something to her, just all this vulgar stuff that 
isn't funny, and it just kind of takes away from that sweetness, that situational hu- uh, sweetness, and overpowers really the whole uh, the, the the dynamic that the movie could have uh, could have had, and it would have been a lot of fun. And it also doesn't help that you really don't see the dancing that Nick Frost does in the movie. Uh, instead, you, it, 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 there's a lot of cutting because obviously, you know, he is not a he plays a salsa champion, you know, a dancing champion, and yet, you know, he is an actor. He doesn't know a whole lot about about salsa. However, I'm sure he practiced it. You know, he studied it and you know learned some of it for the role. But you know, let's face it, he's not going to be on par with the people that are, that are actually in this movie that can actually salsa. And so you have to have a lot of cutaway shots. You have to have a stand-in, you have a double, uh, to do some of these, you know, some of the actual moves that he does that is not him actually performing them. And so, again, that takes away from the movie. It also doesn't help that there are other movies that are sort of like this that are better. You have Strictly Ballroom. There's even a Richard Gere and Stanley Tucci movie. Uh, Jennifer Lopez is in it also. Shall We Dance? Another dancing movie. But you know what? Most They're doing most of their dancing. And it's still really, really good. But really, what this movie has going for it is Nick Frost himself. And uh, Rashida Jones is adorable in this movie. And the movie has this fun look to it. This fun flair. Ian McShane is funny. There's some. There's a lot of side characters in the movie that are funny and enjoyable to watch but i think what really sells it for me is nick frost himself i love the guy he's fun he's entertaining i'll watch anything he is in but that doesn't mean the movie itself is great i give this one 2.75 as well all right well that brings us down to 2014's nightcrawler this is, of course, the American crime thriller film. It's written and directed by Dan Gilroy, uh, husband of Rene Russo, who happens to star in this movie, along with Jake Gyllenhaal, uh, Riz Ahmed, and Bill Paxton. Uh, this movie follows the exploits of Lou Bloom, played by Jake Gyllenhaal, who is basically introduced to and subsequently becomes the king of freelance crime journalism in L.A. Um... This movie is probably the most inventive movie I have seen all year, including Wolf of Wall Street. Because Wolf of Wall Street, as fun and outlandish and everything, and as excellent as it was, um, based on a true story, but still embellished. This one is simply just... its I want to say it's kind of like a freelance crime journalism action version of the movie drive it's about the it's single-minded um it's excellently written brilliantly directed and by the way this is dan gilroy's first time out so you know i guess we're expecting great things from him going forward um this movie is just absolutely outstanding start to finish really great the only there's only one thing that presents that prevents this from being a five-star movie for me and that is the path of our titular hero as it were um and he's not a hero he's an anti-hero at best um Jake Gyllenhaal does a really great job of playing this guy. He's driven, he's he's focused, he's just, you know, he's single-minded about everything that he's trying to do. 
and he's not afraid to do it his way to make things happen his way. The only problem is, is that despite the quote unquote close calls he comes to with it, it, throughout the advancement of the story, it seems like he just basically seems to get away with everything in order to win. Now, I get that that's the point of the movie, and I understand that that's the way this story is told. Think of it kind of like when everything, when you have the best day ever and everything just goes right for you. Um, for a, a good example would be if you're a Harry Potter fan, when Harry Potter takes the luck potion and then just, oh, I feel like going to do it this way and just kind of goes and things work out for him. This movie operates the same way. I just really think that they should have had... He, sh he should have had more obstacles to overcome, and I don't think he should have just waltzed, right, virtually waltzed through the movie. Now, I'm not saying he didn't have obstacles, but they just, instead of, instead of being barricades, they were like, the, you know, like a small little pothole in the sidewalk. Oh, I just better walk around it. Oh, let me just walk over this brick, you know? Even, But even that being my only legitimate complaint, absolutely think this movie is utterly fantastic. Man, I'm so glad this summer crap is over because we're finally getting some damn good movies. Yay! Yay! 4.75 for me. Bring us home, Tim. Bring us home. God damn it, Matt. Like, fuck. I'm tired of agreeing with you for shit's sake. Sorry, you're rubbing <laughs> off on me. I mean, that I was honestly, I was trying to figure out. There was something about this movie while watching it. Though I, I loved the movie. I thought it was great. There was just something about it that there, there was something more I wanted out of it. Though it was just a little more of something, it was something regardless. And you nailed it. You nailed it. It was a pothole. You wanted him to encounter some kind of obstacle, and you wanted to see how he dealt with it. You know, how he uh, mastered that obstacle, and to see how he... I mean, then again, it could be like, well, you know, maybe this guy was so psychotic that <laughs> that uh, he, you know, he, he was able just to waltz through everything without you know, nobody really lifting a finger. But it would have been fun and super entertaining to see what would have happened if this happened, or if that happened. I don't know what, but just something. But yet, it didn't happen. Now, more praise I can give to this movie, uh, other than the acting, other than the visual sleekness that uh, the movie offers to its, its audience, I have never seen a movie where I recognized so many places so well this movie was filmed within a two like the entire movie was virtually filmed within a two mile radius of where i lived which... so you must feel really safe right now is that what you're telling <laughs> <laughs> i see this motherfucker at least five times a day or somebody that looks just like him so i do not feel safe at all but really like every the police station where he, at the very end, the police station that you see, that's, you know, just four blocks, that's just right down the street. I used to drive past it all the time when I worked at my, the old place I used to work at. The street where Bill Paxton confronts him on the side of the road where he tries to pro give, you know, give him the job or ask him to work for him. That's just right down the street. That's by the, a car place I could take my car to get it serviced at. 
Uh, you see a Home Depot there, and it's right there. You see the, the, the TV station where Rene Russo works at. That's KTLA. So it's like, I know where all this stuff at. All these neighborhoods there. I mean, the, the rich, ritzy neighborhoods are a little bit further away. But still, I know exactly where they're at. The road he goes on when he talks about Laurel Canyon or uh, just any of the canyon roads, I know where he's at. And it's creepy. I will not drive. Well, I mean, I will. But I won't. But I will. But I might think twice about driving uh, driving on a Los Angeles street. Especially Wilshire. For some reason, so much shit happened on Wilshire between 3rd Street and 10th Street. Which is kind of nuts. Because that's not far away either. So it was just very... I mean, I was getting really giddy during the movie. Because, like... I knew where all this shit... Well, like, we passed by maybe 70% of where they shot this movie just to get to the movie theater, which was kind of nuts. So I'm just kind of rambling right now, just kind of reminiscing on a movie uh, and of stuff that I see every freaking day, so I'll just stop there. I give this movie uh, 4.75 as well. Well, shit, hang on. 4.5, 4.75, 4.75, why not? I've never seen this before. Two out of three movies, and they're like the same score. It's crazy. Um, awesome. Okay, well, the movies for next week are going to be Interstellar. Very excited. Big Hero 6. Very excited. VHS Viral. Interesting. <laughs> Coming off of Halloween, I didn't think we'd be doing this so soon. So, uh, yeah, so this will be an interesting uh, week for movies next week. Very excited. Very excited for our 101st show, Triple Digits. Woo! And I guess that brings us to the spiel, does it not, sir? Spiel on. All right. Well, the music you've been listening to, as always, has been brought to us by our music partners, Cries of Solace. You can find them at ReverbNation.com and Facebook.com, both slash Cries of Solace. As for us, we, of course, are still the SLS Cast, and you can check us out at SLScast.com. You can follow us on Twitter at the SLS Cast. You can send us an email to the show at SLScast.com. You can follow me personally, Matt, on Twitter at nittwit12345. You can also follow the Information Superhighway and see if you can track down Tim on Twitter. And you can, of course, always find us on Facebook, by searching the SLS cast there, subscribing to us on iTunes, and or favoriting us on Stitcher Radio. And so until next time, we want to thank Jeremy with The Wow Factor Show. We want to thank our guest host, uh, Sam. We want to thank our friends at Midnight Movie Nights. And we want to thank our significant others for putting up with us for 100 episodes. And until next week, this is Matt saying that thanks to Mae West... I get to say this. Between two evils, I always pick the one I've never tried before. And this is Tim saying, I hope <laughs> uh, you're still listening to this in a hundred more episodes. Hope. Thanks again for listening to the SLS Cast with your hosts, Matt and Tim. Remember that you can find us at slscast.com, at the SLS Cast for Twitter, also on Facebook, and you can always subscribe.